Hello and welcome to the Alive Church in Newark podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today. We hope that you find what you're looking for today and that you are challenged and inspired to pursue the life that God has for you. Enjoy the message. Amazing. So over the last few weeks, few months actually, maybe even, we've been looking at the values of Alive Church and we've been taking each one and we've effectively been putting it on trial. We've been saying, is this something that is biblical? Is this something that God wants us to hold as a value? Or is this just something that is nice, but we've kind of just come up with? And so this morning, we're going to be looking at the value of generosity. Does God value generosity? Does he want us to value generosity? Lord, I pray this morning as, uh, as I bring your word, would you uh, help me to speak clearly? Would you help me to um, speak exactly what it is that you have put on my heart, Lord? I pray that um, each one of us will learn something new of you this morning, Lord. Amen. So does God value generosity? Is God? Is God generous? I would say the answer to that is yes, but let's, uh, let's actually use some scripture to prove that, shall we, rather than it just being me saying that it's true. So um, John 3.16, I think, is a brilliant example of God's generosity. It's arguably the best example of God's generosity. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that none should perish, but should have eternal life. It's in God's nature to give. God loved us so much, he was so generous to us that he gave his only son, gave part of himself to everything that Jesus endured for us and for our good and so that we could have a relationship with him. It's in God's very nature to give. It's in God's very nature to be generous. But what about us? We know that that God is generous, but is it important to God that we are generous? Does God value generosity in us? You know, I, I think that Um, the qualities that we see in in God are things, are qualities that we want to seek to cultivate in ourselves as well. The qualities of God should be things that we want in our own lives. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 it says, follow God's example therefore as dearly loved children. So as children of God we should be looking to reflect God's qualities, we should be looking to become more like him, we should be wanting to value the things that he values and love the things that he loves and and be transformed more into the likeness of Christ as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Um, be transformed more into the likeness of Christ, reflect God to the world around us, become more like God in in the things that he values and in his qualities and so therefore if God is generous we should also be seeking to be generous. And so I'm going to take us to our main passage of Scripture this morning, which is in Matthew chapter 15, and it's verses 29 to 39. And this is maybe titled in your uh, your Bible as the feeding of the 4,000. Jesus feeds the 4,000. And so in this passage, I believe that we see, uh, we see God valuing generosity. And we see his response to our generosity. So from verse 29, it says, Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on the mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute and many others and laid them at his feet and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking the crippled made well and the lame walking and the blind seeing and they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. 
I do not want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? Now, you know, this isn't the first time, it's worth saying, this isn't the first time that the disciples have seen this situation play out. It's not the first time they've been presented with a crowd of people and not enough food to feed them. Um, In both Matthew's gospel and Mark's gospel, we see two distinct accounts of this kind of thing happening. We see the feeding of the 5,000, which is, uh, I think it's in chapter 14, just one chapter before... I think, although I can't find it. Oh yeah, there it is. Chapter 14, verse 13. We see Jesus feeds the 5,000 and that's 5,000 men plus then women and children as well. And in Mark's gospel as well, we see two distinct accounts. And so this isn't the first time that the disciples have seen this situation. And yet they still ask, where could we get, where, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? I think, I think, What's happening here is something that I'm definitely guilty of, and maybe you are as well, in that either they're forgetting what God has done, or they don't believe that God's going to do it again. And I think we can all be guilty of that, of forgetting what God's done for us. When we're faced with a situation that's very similar to one we've seen God move in before, we can forget that he's done something good for us before, or we don't believe that he's going to do it again. But you know this account that we read through here, and that, I mean, it says Jesus feeds the 4,000. It kind of gives it away, doesn't it, right, in the, in the title we get. But I think it encourages me that, it encourages me to remember what God has done before, and it encourages me to believe that God will do it again, that we will see blessings, we'll see miracles, we'll see healing, we'll see God's comfort. So let's carry on with the scripture. In verse 34, it says, how many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. How many loaves do you have? Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. So I was doing a little bit of research when I was preparing this because I wanted to kind of think about how much would seven loaves feed. Um, The Greek word that's used here for bread is artos, and I can't seem to find that relating to a very specific type of bread. It's not like, this is a pitta, or this is, I can't think of any more breads, a baguette, for example. It's like, this is, sorry, Dom's smiling at me because I said baguette in the way that he pronounces it and not the way that I pronounce it. I normally say baguette, and he laughs at me for being not very French. (laughs) Anyway, back to the main point. So we're we're not sure the size of this bread, But even if it were, you know, there's massive tiger loaves that you can get from the supermarket. Even if it was one of those, it's feeding what, like eight, ten people, something like that. So in the natural, the disciples are right. This bread that they've got is going to feed somewhere between like 56 and 70 people. And the fish, a few small fish, probably aren't even going to stretch as far as that. And so in the natural, the disciples are right. Where are we going to get enough bread? Because we do not currently have enough bread. But Jesus asks us to look beyond the natural. He asks us to look beyond what we can bring and instead to what he can do with what we bring. So Jesus is asking here, what what do you have? What have we got? And we see this kind of thing woven through scripture. Now, I remember when we were in lockdown, we were doing Sunday Night Lives and um, Dom spoke on one of those Sundays about the story where... um, where God asks Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. And Moses doesn't think he can do it. And God says to him, what is in your hand? What do you have in your hand? And Moses had a staff and he used that to perform miracles um, that eventually ended to with the Israelites being freed from, freed from Egypt. God is asking us over and over again, what have you got? 
What is in your hand? What have I given you? It says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, that his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. In some translations, and I think probably a more popular iteration of that is we've been given everything we need for life and godliness. We've been given everything that we need. So what do you have? What have you got in your hand? What have you got? Have you got time? Have you got maybe knowledge of scripture? Have you got a heart for prayer? Have you got compassion and empathy? Have you got some skills? Maybe you're really good at accounting, for example. That's the only skill I can think of right now. When I was practicing earlier, all I could think was accounting and shoemaking. They were <laughs> have you got those skills? Maybe. Have you got finance? Have you got resource? Maybe you've got a big garden or you've got a workshop or something like that. What do you have? What has God given you to help you face the situations that you are facing or to help others face their situations? Because we have everything that we need for life and godliness. But God's asking us to acknowledge what we have because sometimes we need someone to ask that express question, what do you have? What have you got? And you know, it might be the fact that in the natural, we actually don't have very much. Particularly when we look at the needs around us, it might be that what we have doesn't come anywhere close to meeting the needs that we see. Just like with the disciples, ten lo- seven loaves and a few fish is nowhere near enough to feed 4,000 people. But Jesus asks us to see beyond what we have, what we can bring, and instead to what he can do with what, with what we have. So from verse 35, it says, He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them. So the disciples give everything that they've got to Jesus to bless. You know, what they had might not, well, it wouldn't have fed 4,000 people in the natural, but it would have fed them. You've got seven loaves. If they're pretty decent, you can have, well, they'd have just over half a loaf each, some fish, be pretty full after that I think wouldn't you for themselves they would have been fine if they'd have just kept what they'd got but instead they chose to be generous they chose to look beyond their immediate needs and they chose to trust Jesus that he would bless it and that he would do something with it how do we feel about this thing that we've got that maybe we've thought of just now as we've been talking about what is in your hand what have you got how do we feel about giving that to God do we trust that giving away what we've got will still mean that we are okay? Do we believe that we'll be included in the blessing that God's going to bring through our generosity? You know, this, this kind of goes for everything, I think, everything of ourselves. Often when things like this are spoken about, we talk about it in terms of time, talent, and treasure, those three things. But I think just kind of conceptually, it's easiest to think about this in terms of like finite resource. So if we... Do we believe that if we give God our time, that we will have enough time left for ourselves? Do we believe if we give God our energy, we'll have enough energy left for ourselves? Do we believe that, do we trust God that we will be okay and that we will be blessed as we're generous? So it says, back from verse 36, then he took the seven loaves and the fish and when he'd given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples and they in turn to the people. 
So Jesus gives the bread and the fish back to the disciples to go and distribute amongst the 4,000 men plus women and children. And this is where the miracle happens. And this is very similar to what Dom spoke about a few weeks ago when he was talking about the miracle that Jesus, Jesus' first miracle in Cana, where he turned jars of water into wine. We talked about how the miracle was in the faith of the servant taking the water out of the jug and taking it to the master of the feast and it being wine. Like that, in that faith, in the faith of the servant is where we see the miracle. And it's the same thing here with the disciples. When they start to distribute this bread, it's seven loaves of bread and a few fish. But they go and they take what God has blessed and they distribute it among the people in faith. And that is where the miracle is happening. You know, they, and they go and outwork that generosity in the faith that they will be provided for as part of this miracle. This miracle happens because of the disciples' faith. You know, giving stuff to God to bless with the idea that we're going to be generous with it is much easier than actually going out and being generous with the things that we have. Like the thought of being generous, acknowledging what we have, asking God to bless it, doesn't actually require us any... Like, we can do that right now, sat in our seats. But actually to go and be generous with those things, that takes more of us. It takes more faith. It takes us actually making a step. You know, to be generous with our time takes faith. It takes faith that we're still going to have the time that we need for the stuff that we've got to get done. It takes faith that we will see good things come out of the time that we're investing into the people that we're being generous with. It takes faith that we will be blessed and that others will be blessed through that time. And it takes faith that we won't end up lacking. We won't end up burnt out, exhausted, overwhelmed because we're giving so much time and being so generous. It takes faith to actually go and do it. It takes, to be generous with our love and our compassion takes faith. It takes faith that we won't get hurt, that we won't get taken for granted. It takes faith that that love and compassion will be reciprocated. It takes faith that people will be blessed when we're generous with our love and our compassion. And to be generous with our finances takes faith. It takes faith that we won't go without, that our family won't go without, that people will be blessed through our generosity and that we will continue to be blessed through our generosity. But, you know, we can have faith when we're generous. We can have faith that it's okay and it's safe to be generous because God values generosity. He honors it. He sees it. And he wants to use it for his glory. And so are we actually willing to be generous with what we have? To trust for a miracle and to believe that God will multiply what we bring and what we give and will bless it. And so the last part of this account says this from verse 37. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 4,000 men, besides women and children. After Jesus had sent the crowd away, he got into the boat and went to the vicinity of Magadam. God's response to the disciples' generosity is even more generosity. You know, they'd got, the disciples had seven loaves and some fish, and they took them, and they managed to feed 4,000 people, more than 4,000 people, with this food that God had blessed and performed a miracle through. And they came back with seven baskets full of food. You know, God didn't just provide enough food for those 4,000 men plus women and children, and that was it, and they came back, and it was just the right amount. God provided abundance. He provided blessing. He provided 
more than they needed. Again, it's like the miracle of the water into wine that Dom spoke about a few weeks ago. There, were, there was so much wine that was t- turned from water into wine, more than they needed, more than they could drink. But it was a show of God's excellence, of his provision, of his abundance. And it's the same here. God is not just doing enough. He's doing more than enough to show us his excellence and his generosity. You know, the message paraphrase in Proverbs 11 verse 24 says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And God is demonstrating that here. You know, the disciples gave all of the food that they had into what God was doing. They gave it to Jesus to bless. And they didn't go without. They didn't end up with less than they started with. It ended up with enough to feed more than 4,000 people and themselves. Their generosity and God's generosity together meant that the world of their generosity became larger and larger. And so, to recap, what do we have? What have we got? Maybe this week we need to think about what what actually do we have? It may be physical stuff, it may be skills, it may be time and energy and capacity, it could be anything, but what do we have? Let's all think about that this week. What, what is in my hand? What has God given me that I can use to be generous with? And then secondly, are we willing to give it to God? This week, let's pray. Let's ask God to bless the thing that we have in our hand, to bring abundance out of it, to bring miracles out of it, to bring incredible testimonies of God's goodness out of it. And thirdly, are we willing to step out in faith and actually be generous, to do it, to share it. Now let's take opportunities this week that present themselves to be generous, to actually outwork the generous nature of God and to reflect the generous nature of God to those people around us. Thanks so much for joining with us. We hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did enjoy, you can subscribe to hear more from Alive Church Newark. You can share this message with your friends or you can share on your social media pages. We hope and pray you have a great week and meet with God. God bless you.